Welcome to Last Call, powered by Speakeasy for Sport. I'm your host, Jamie and Christian, and today we are joined by Pat Scaring, the head coach at Towson University. Pat is known for re-energizing the Towson basketball program, having seven winning seasons over an 11-year span and amassing over 172 career victories. We are pleased to welcome Pat to Last Call. Hey, Coach, how are you? I'm great, man. I appreciate you having me on, Coach. Dude, you look great, man. You look great. You look like a guy who's done a complete rebuild of a Towson program from the ground up. Uh, as a guy who's a big fan of yours, it's been fun to watch. Do you ever take a chance to look back on where you guys started and where you guys are today? Uh, I, I appreciate the kind words. You, you know, I, I did a little bit this spring for the first time because the pandemic was – as you know how hard that was, and I was just really proud of our staff and our guys for, for responding the right way. And, and so, yeah, yeah, we, we, we did enjoy it. But as you know, uh, this is a uh, what have you done for me lately uh, deal, and we've all never done enough. So it's, it's kind of back to it, and how do we try to you know, do it a little bit better? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been so much fun. I mean, I think one of the things is like a guy, you know, I'm a mid-Atlantic guy. I've been in. Women and Mary, some of the same places you've been, been around. And I just always remember looking at Towson saying, what a what an opportunity for someone to come in there and get that job done there. Great recruiting base, a lot of good things. And 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 you've really come in there and really established a level of toughness that's unique. Where did you get your foundation for basketball at that's helped you turn this thing around? Well, I, I think a couple of things. One, like you talked about, the hardest thing to change in sports is tradition and geography. And while we might not have had the tradition we had wanted yet, and we still don't, we had great geography, right? Really good grassroots and high school programs and, and, and coaches here. And, and then it really was like, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm lucky. I had a great AD that hired me, Mike Waddell. And I've had other really good ones since then. But Mike invested a lot in the program initially. And then if we didn't stumble into a guy by the name of Jarrell Benjamin, I'd be saying selling coat hangers in Liberia right now. So... <laughs> No matter what you do, talent is still a baseline, right? And be better to have good players than than, than anything else. Uh, you know, I, we, we've been lucky, Jan. I think we've tried to have some guys that are, hard, you know, play with an edge, uh, tough-minded guys, and and hopefully kind of create that that mindset every day in in, in practice. I'd like to think we're we're pretty good at figuring what buttons to push on guys, but but I think you know trying to get guys that have a competitive spirit uh, gives you, gives you a fighting chance. Yeah. It's interesting with how skilled the game is today. You know, like, you know, you might have a kid that's a great player that that's never played a game of three on three, you know, it's like such a different kind of kid. How have you been able to find the perfect kind of kid for you? Well, I, I think we, we had such a tough year with, with the pandemic that it, it forced me to reflect on some of the errors maybe that I was making and, I would say that uh, we've we've made some changes on offense, but a lot of the, a lot of the change we've had on offense has to do with the intent of our guys. Like I, I've never been part of any staff. I've told this to people where, you've come in as a coach and said, "Hey, today let's let's try not to move the ball, let's try not to <laughs> share the ball." So our group last year, the ball movement defined us, but that was really a credit to the, to the kids. Um, so, 
You know, I, I, for me, I, I certainly say this all the time. When, when you're a head coach, you're going to make the most mistakes because you're going to make the most decisions. I, I do appreciate the opportunity to coach guys. So hopefully I'm letting them know that, um, you know, everybody's valuable, uh, what they bring daily. I, I've tried to do a better job of making sure that everybody understands that. And, and I think when I reflect back, even on some good teams we've had, you know, uh, there's certain things I'm sure the same way that I, that I regret maybe not doing a good enough job in some of those areas. Yeah. It's, uh, <clears throat> you know, I think what's interesting every year at the end of the year, whether you win or lose it or lose, you kind of reset yourself and kind of look back on it. You know, you talked about a couple of things that you've done well. Can you just go a little bit deeper? I mean, when I watch your teams play, I, I number one, I love how they play. So, you know, what are a few things that you really emphasize on a day-to-day basis um, that that's been so good? Well, I, I, you know, habits, right? We try to really dominate their day with the same practice, the same routine to develop habits at the same time. So that that's something that we will try to do. Um, I think the other thing, if you watch us pl- come to practice, uh, we're, we're, we're big on transition defense, which means we're really big on trying to eliminate live ball turnovers so that we're not in transition defense a whole lot. Um and, and then, you know, we are nuts and bolts. We will do rebounding, you know, shell drill, um, heavy on skill work. I, I, I think, you know, I think we can get guys to defend and rebound. Then I think we got to get good players and give them a lot of confidence. And the best way to give them confidence is to spend a lot of time on skill work, like to throw something back at you. I loved watching your teams play because on offense, they were relentless. They were fearless guys, especially the good players Right. And we all have there's a line of demarcation and talent. Um, your, your good players played with aggressiveness. And, and really, that's right. You know, those are the type of guys that that can win your games. Right. Like separate you, you know, especially in, in, in conference games. So um, uh, we, we do try to, you know, it's not the same for everyone. Right. Offense is not a democracy. It's never going to be. Um, but but we do want guys to try to play with with an edge and a lot of confidence. Yeah, it always felt like, you know, every round you go in the conference tournament or NCAA tournament, less guys have the ability to score. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I think we, we won a game. I think our championship game at the Mount, we had four or five guys score the entire game. That's it. But I don't think that's uncommon. I think when you really look at it, you know, you're really leaning on the top 20% of your roster, which are your top four players. And those guys have got to have enough confidence in those big moments to take – really tough shots you know the worst the worst guy to have is a guy who's like a good shooter who wants to who's hunting the perfect shot every day yeah. um, you know those guys get you beat because yeah. in the biggest moments you need a guy that's going to take a take a tough one yeah and I, I look at like we've had a couple of 25 win teams and a handful of like 20 win teams and the 20 win teams were good but i feel like the the difference is we had one or two guys on those other teams that you know, we ran a lot of the same stuff. Those guys just had the ability to, you know, put the ball in the basket. Like our first year, we go one and 31. Okay. And the second year we go and win 18 games. We ran everything the same. We just, we had this guy named Betterman. All of a sudden it looked a lot better <laughs> when the ball got in his hands. You know what I mean? So you know, I've always been a big guy. I don't know like Brad Stevens, but I've always been a big believer. He has that saying like talent is a baseline and in, in, in everything you do. But, but when you do have talent, I think you want those guys to play with an aggressive and a confident mindset. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, let's dive back a little bit in, in into your background. I mean, we could talk hoops all day. I want to dive a little bit back into your background a little bit. You know, all-time leading assist guy at Tufts. That's uh, <laughs> a long time a ago. Little, a little while ago. <laughs> but, you know, I want to talk about that. You know, I, I love guys that know how to pass the ball, how to get guys involved. You know, I want to go a little bit. I want to go back to Tufts, and I want to talk a little about that that part of your journey, how you ended up at Tufts, and, and a little bit through your playing experience. Well, I, I appreciate that. They, uh, well, first of all, I was a good passer because I couldn't shoot. Okay, <laughs> so that's 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 the first thing, and it also means I had guys that could make shots. So it's it's funny. My my son's going through the college process, and we just talked about this the other day. I love basketball, played all the time. I, started, I didn't start to like seventh grade. I was a hockey player growing up. That's kind of what you did up in, in Medford. And I played with a couple of NHL guys and the Sacco brothers. And then I realized that it was more them, not me. You know, you had that kind of religious moment where you're like, hey, you're not that good. So I, I played basketball. I was cut from my freshman team at BC High. Uh, and I thought that was unjust. It turns out it didn't matter what I thought I was cut. I ended up transferring in league to a school called Malden Catholic, and I ended up making the varsity as a sophomore and, and ended up starting the last half of the year. And I got my education going to play in men's, men's gyms at Method High and Cambridge High every night and just playing against men um, and maybe developing a little bit of toughness. So I, I go to Tufts, and Rod Baker, you know, who's a terrific coach, I'm sure you know Rod, he, he, he recruited me, and then he left – to go to Holy Cross and then Seton Hall the same year. And then I went and played for a guy, Bob Sheldon, who I actually hated because he recruited me at Clark, which is Division Three school up in Worcester. And I just, I had a bad visit there. And I'll give you a funny story. The head coach at Clark University at the time was Kevin Clark, who was my associate head coach here. So I've known, <laughs> so I've known, I've known Kevin for a long time. So, you know, I, I went to Tufts because my, honestly, because my mom worked there. My parents were divorced. And my dad brought me in and said, hey, look, you go to any school you want in the country. You can also pay your own way to go to any school you want. You go to tough, if you go to get to Tufts, you get in, you go for free. So I, that's where I went, you know, and I'm, I'm glad I went. I was around, you know, high-powered kids academically from all walks of life and it, it made lifelong friends. And I, and I enjoyed playing for Coach Sheldon. I, I was lucky. I got to play, you know, 37, 38 minutes a game for four years and, and, and really enjoyed the experience. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, the visits are so short. And we, 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 we have to make these large judgments off of such a small amount of time. Um, I think I always feel like that's like really difficult. Like they say, oh, 48 hours. Like how are we going to take 48 hours to make a, a four year decision? You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's imperfect. It's imperfect, right? It's not, it's not. Um, and I was a guy, I remember Rod, I, I used to play pickup up there and going into my senior year, I went up there and played pickup like the first night that they did. And, played really well. And I don't know if he was supposed to be watching or not. I don't even know what the rules were back then. He came down, he said, Hey, you want to go early decision? And I said, sure. And then I didn't get Then I didn't get in early decision, you know? And then it's like, so now what are you going to do? And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, even at this level, you're right. It's, it's, it's not perfect. And, and you're, you're, you're sure you're like me. I try to tell guys, Hey, this is what we are. This is what you're getting into. And we're certainly not perfect. And, you know, you've got to figure out what, what kind of fits you. And I, I find like the guys that last and do better, the more info they have on what they're walking into, the better served they're going to be. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, you know, the recruiting thing is always so interesting because, you know, you could put, I mean, before the transfer portal was like the the place to be, um, you would put a year or two years into someone, someone recruit them for two weeks and get them. And then, you know, I always tell our guys, our staff, like we're going to get them back. 
Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, if they don't know what they're getting into. You know, I mean, they're walking into that and they're, they always end up bouncing back to us. We had a lot, actually had a lot of success with guys like that coming back to us because of that. So, I mean, obviously 600 plus assists at Tufts as a point guard, you know, I've seen you move recently. Um, you moved a little bit better than a lot um, better. What's that? I mean, that's a lot of assists, coach. You know, how do you use that? And, you know, and I, I, one thing I, I, I really enjoy when I watch your teams play, I feel like your point guard play is always really, really solid. And and that, now that I'm doing this research on you, I was like, oh, it makes sense. You know, you're a point guard. Do you feel like that helps you in your ability to connect with them and how they're seeing it? Or do you try to shy away from that bit? No, I, in some ways I've probably should have done a better job with some guys, especially earlier, just being critical, you know, of certain things that if they're not seeing it, you know, I, I do think a little bit in the quarterback position, if you got to, if they instinctively don't see it, it becomes hard. You know what I mean? There, there's certain things they've just got to be able to see. For me, I always enjoyed passing. That was my favorite part, partly because I couldn't shoot, but I just, I like, I like being able to find guys, you know, I like being able to throw the ball, on the seams where does a guy like it up here down low does he dip it if he dips it i better throw it down low but i've also found that not every guy thinks that way like we have the kid jason gibson now he, he's he got just an incredibly high iq you know he's not gonna go one four flat but he understands ball security and delivering the ball on time on target he understands shot selection so that that makes your job a little bit easier you know we've had some other teams that were pretty good where if our point guard play wasn't as good you know, it's a little bit like running the ball in the mud. And as the games change, that's where we've tried to evolve a little bit, a little bit more where skill, lack, you know, guys that take care of the ball, some of that stuff's super, super important. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's just such a large number of assists. I mean, that like jumps out at me when I was researching. I was like, man, like, you know, that makes, that makes a lot of sense of why your point cards have been, been so good or, or like, you know, you know what you look for. When you look at a point guard, you know, now if I'm a staff and I'm working for you and I bring a point guard to you, what things do you not want to see in that point guard? Yeah, I think there's a lot of the same stuff. Like, right, look at, I mean, what are we looking for? We're always looking for talent, right? Um, yeah, but what is talent? Like, how, how do you define talent in that So position? it's, I mean, I, I'm not going to, like, it, something's going to jump off the page. Like, whoa, you know, the way they look, the way they move, right? You know, the speed, the athleticism, right? That, that That's the first, you know, shooting handling like that the something's going to jump off town second thing is is toughness right do they go after the ball like this do they really go after the ball do they do they run hard you know do they do they compete you know uh and and then it's character and that's the hardest thing right we're all watching these games and, and so many of these kids or their families even though they might have good intentions you're hurting if you're not like if you're, like, if you're the cream of the crop that's different but if you're going crazy in the stands you know, if you're if, if you're if a kid's walking out of a huddle, if he's showing bad body language, you, you know, we, we might not be the smartest guys in the world as recruiters, but everybody picks up on that stuff and it spreads like wildfire. Right. I mean, so, mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing I wish that occasionally like there's some of these guys like eh, right on the fence and, 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 and kids and families you can really hurt themselves by, you know, the, 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 the body language piece like it. it what's that saying? It, it doesn't whisper. It screams. So that's something too. I want. I think we've had better point because they've been pretty stable um, emotionally. Yeah, like that's the thing I didn't want to coach was the body language. And we always had a plan for it, and we talked a lot about it. But I felt like when I, if a guy came in with that bad habit, it was really hard to break that bad habit. Because you know, the other thing is, we're with these guys, you know, three hundred days out of the year. 
So the bad, the body language can really wear on you yep. uh, in practice sessions, you know, on those really, on those kind of dog days. I struggle with that. I struggle with how to manage that still. I, hopefully I've gotten a little better with it. Um, I've tried to tell a lot of our guys, like, don't let your competitiveness cause you to lose your focus. That's a big Doc Rivers thing. You know, he's a terrific coach. Like, I get it. Like, you want edgy guys and competitive guys, but you got to be careful that they're not sticking a pin into the balloon, which is the rest of the team at times. Yeah. Yeah, and I think teaching them how to be able to do that, it was I, – I don't know if you felt this. I felt like coming out of COVID, the guys we had were a lot more emotional. Interesting. You know, um, did you feel the same way there? You, you know, I felt like – so I lost 31 games my first year, which is a record that will never be broken. And I felt like COVID, the train was more off the tracks during COVID. Yeah. Just our, our lack of habits. And it wasn't the players' faults. They didn't, they didn't sign up for that. They didn't create those parameters, rule. you know what I mean, the guidelines – and I just felt like we just did a bad job. Like my old AD, you knew him, Tim Leonard. He's like, "What do you, what do you think went wrong?" I'm like, "Went wrong? What went right?" I said, "We have no, ha- we have no habits, you know." And if I knew what I knew now, I, I could actually see why people, not meant many, but some people just didn't participate or have it because you, you don't really have a chance to have any success. And you know, as a coach, all of a sudden you get judged on. You know, you're, you're, you know, you're building a program or you've been to the tournament or you're winning a league. So, yeah, you, you know what you're doing. You've been part of good programs. And I was in all the good work you've done, this thing was like, I just felt like the, the air got pulled right out of it. And everyone thinks you just did a bad job. I mean, you, you did because ultimately you judged by wins and losses. But it's really hard to have success if you can't do what you do every day. It's, it's really difficult. I feel like it's one of the few times where, you know, we kind of have these competitive advantages built into all of our situations anyway, but you don't get to the level that we were out as coaches unless you know how to coach around or build around some of the weaknesses of your organization. But I feel like COVID just really opened up the gashes in, in some of these organizations. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's a reason why I think all the final four teams are all West of the Mississippi or something, you know, I mean, and so there's a reason for that. I mean, that's uncommon. That doesn't happen very often. Um, and so I felt like that was like just such a, a different time because, like, you know, you literally come in the office every day and you don't know who's going to, who, you know, who's going to be at practice. You don't, oh. you know, I mean, it was a very, you know, I, lonely, I lonely, eerie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it, it's yeah. very lonely, very lonely, very, you know, challenging. Like if, if you wanted to bring me on and said, Hey, Pat, COVID, what did you do? Well, I would tell you how I rated shows on Netflix, <laughs> Apple TV, Hulu. I had, we had, we're like you. We had 20 practices the whole year. So what did I do? I went, it's the only year I've ever been a head coach here. I drank beers in season. <laughs> there was no season. I still went home. I said, yeah, watch Netflix, crack a beer, you know, Ozark, you know, this is pretty good. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I know this is a different time. And like you said, the habits are all of us. We're just kind of getting spent all over the place. Let's dive back in. I mean, I want to talk a little about Tufts. I want to talk about your mom and dad some. Um, your mom worked at Tufts. What, was, what did she do at Tufts? What did your dad do as well? Yeah, so my, my mom worked at the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy at, at Tufts. And, and my dad it was, uh, was a lawyer. Now, they got divorced. We, we were very young, but they both stayed very uh, involved in, in, in our lives. We, we, we lived with our mom, but we were with my dad's on, on the weekend. And they, they both made a lot of sacrifices. Um, and, you know, uh, and did what was best for them, which is which is important, uh, which is which is really important. Uh, I got two younger brothers, uh, 
all of us ended up playing at Tufts. Uh, youngest was a really good player up, up at Bentley first before he transferred. I have a brother, John, two years younger. He's the high school coach and teacher at Medford High, just outside of Boston. He used to be a lawyer. And then my other brother's involved in a um, hedge fund company. And uh, he's, he's lived in Dubai, London. He's back in Boston. And those are my guys. You know, your siblings are your through everything through thick and thin. Those, those, those are your guys. Yeah, I'm always fascinated with these dynamics of our parents, right? And, and how it's sort of, you know, a lot of people I've interviewed, you know, they've got a lot of parents. They have one parent that's usually in education. Interesting. Um, and so yeah. I, it's been very interesting to me to kind of witness, like, you know, I feel like the conversation that you're having must be different. You know, what you're valuing must be different, um, you know, because of that experience. So one thing I'm now, it brings up with my mom, and I, I guess it was good. I don't know. I never missed school. She just wouldn't let us. So she was big. Like, I always got these perfect attendance awards. And I got to be honest, some days I really didn't feel good. But she always made us made us go. Hopefully we didn't, like, create the coronavirus or something by spreading spreading diseases. But that was something I guess, you know, I, I think back now as you bring that up, like, she, she made us go. Now, she got a little softer, which each – kid coming down the line but i was the first one i was always made to go uh good bad or indifferently yeah but what i think is what's interesting about that is like i would say that you always show up your teams always show up you know like it's like a very there's a consistency to doing something every day and it's good to know now that you got that from your mom well you know what i i'm gonna tell her that she'll be high call her twice a day still the morning and at night and they're her our second husband passed away a few years ago, so it's it's important. But that, I, I hope we do. I, th I hope the one thing when people play us, we're keenly aware that we can get beat every night. Um, I hope when people play us, they feel like, hey, we got to play close to forty minutes in order to beat us. And that was I was only with Coach Dixon at Jamie Dixon at Pitt for one year, but very quickly I was amazed at just how uh, consistently competitive his teams were. Maybe not always, you know, what you want at the end. I get it. You know what I mean. Um, but he gave them a chance every night. Yeah, it, it's – and, you know, him making that move to TCU, I was surprised because you just didn't know if that would – you know, if that kind of style of play would translate. But he's obviously done very well. So, obviously, the physicality, and I think he's obviously adapted some to the style of athlete that he has down there. But it's just – you know, it's a – there's a lot of ways to do this thing. No, there is, and that's the beauty of studying different teams and people. I tell people with him where I was amazed was, one, how good – the habits he created, both himself and his team, and then he is incredibly self-critical. Um, and I was amazed at that. Like, if, if, you know, we lost one game at home in a war, and we talked about, you know, Jamie and Christian messed up the ball screen coverage, and which he did, and he's like, oh, so he did it on purpose, or we did a lousy job getting that across. And he was right, right? I mean, like, ultimately – that's what we are. We're as teachers. And, you know, did we cover it well enough? Was the repetition good enough? How does, how do our players learn? You know, th those type of things. And, and that's where I was blown away with, like I said, he was incredibly self-critical win or loss, win or loss. Yeah. It, he's, he's been really good for a long, long, long time. Yeah. And he's had such a list of assistants kind of come through there that have, obviously gone on been pretty pretty successful well you and i both lived that right like you know if you don't work for an elite coach like a shaka smart or a jamie dixon I'm, I'm, you know 
the tough thing is you probably don't get this opportunity. And I'm very aware of that. I, I think back now, and I apologize, Coach Dixon, if you watch this, but probably the worst job I did as an assistant was at Pitt because they could have probably put a duffel bag in there, duffel bag in there, done the same job. But it was the profile of the coach and the, the program that opens up doors. I know a lot of high school coaches, Division three coaches. That's what I was, and that's where I'm from, and, and spent the year in Division two. Those guys are unbelievable coaches. Now, a lot of them are very happy where they're at, which is awesome. Some other ones just haven't gotten that break. You know, getting to work for a Shaka Smart or a Jamie Dixon, obviously, you, you know, that, that creates opportunities for a lot of assistant coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, as you look back to the people you've worked with or played for, who do you think's had the biggest influence on on your coaching? Well, that's a great question. I, I mean, I, I, I've worked with a lot of really good assistants when I was an assistant. Like, I'm going to give you, like, Charlton Young. He and I worked together for a year. Um, unbelievable with players. Uh, I think the arguably the best recruiter relationship builder in the country. Um Jay Young, that was our staff at Northeastern. We weren't very good. And Jay got me into Division One. So, like, um, and I think back now, like, man, those guys are really, really good coaches. Um, and that was my first Division One assistant job. So, you know, uh, Ken Dempsey's assistant AD at New Hampshire, he was on that staff. So, like, he, all of a sudden, like, he, he really understood being organized. So, I, I think back a lot to, like I said, I've worked for a lot of really good head coaches. They're all, they've all been good. But I don't know how you feel, but I've, I've worked for, like, uh, really good assistants. Um, you know, Milan Brown, I worked for Milan Brown guy was an excellent tactician, um, successful head coach. We worked together at William Mary. And at that time, as you know, you guys did a great job. That, that was a really hard job just to stay com and be competitive there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine when you all were there because we were, we were, we were smoking mirrors. <laughs> You know, it's funny. So we get in there, we win like 11 games, then 12, then 13. And then Coach Boyajas, who was, he was a really good coach, who went, decided to go back to Ohio State. And and um, and um uh, he had always said when he got there, this is going to take us seven, eight years to really establish ourselves. So I always felt like he left early. But when you look at Tony Shaver was an incredible coach, yeah. and uh, especially offensively. But if you look at it like, you know, that's another place that you got to appreciate what you have. It took them – a little bit to get the thing established and what's going to work and what fits in the league and what type of recruiting works. And then they're they getting the thing going. I, I, th I think where people make a mistake a lot is look at it. And I, I saw this at Pitt and I was shocked. Like people say they haven't been to a final four. Okay. You know, but they're really good every year. Like when I look at when Tony Shaver was at William Mary, they were really good every year. And it does take, this is an excuse. It's a, it, it takes a little bit of good fortune to play well for three days. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes you got to ask yourself, do you want to be in a position every year? Like Tony Shaver had William and Mary, or are you just hoping for lucky sevens on three days, you know? Um, and then, you know, that's the, even the Atlantic 10 where you were, that's a great league. Yeah. There's some like, you know, we, we recruit against the Atlantic 10 all the time. I'll be honest with you, there's 14 teams. I'm like, if that's a three bid league, VCU and Dayton are going. Right. They're going. So now <laughs> Everyone else be... is fighting over the third. Yeah. So we had to be one out of ten. I'd say, hey, we got a better shot of being one out of ten than they do of being one out of 12. Do the, You yeah. know what I mean? So that's not a disrespect. There's great coaches, great programs in that league. Um, 
but the way the thing is set up, it, it's really hard to get even from a league like that five, six bids. It's not happening. Yeah, I mean, it's it was. I mean, one thing you know about being at William Mary, number one, the list of assistant coaches um, is really vast. I mean, it's a good list. I mean, Hubie Brown. I mean, we've got like an amazing who's who list that have been assistants at William Mary. So that definitely speaks to the quality of the place. Um, and, and, you know, what, you know, people that are, that are really dri- driven that want to work there. I think one of the things with Shaver, which is, I mean, I wish I want to write a book for Shaver because I thought what he was able to do basketball-wise was so unique. A pressing and trapping guy at Hampton, Sydney, where they were able to get some of the best play- Division three players in the country and kind of go and, and, and just put their physical will on you. To make that transition from that to – you know, to Princeton hybrid where you've got four guards out there and everyone's operating a little bit differently to matchup zone defensively where you have to be really, really smart. You know, that, that I got to give him a lot of credit for doing and that. Winning. And winning. And winning. Yeah, and winning. I mean, no, I, I got to tell you, when I came in the league and, and, you know, when Rick left and then he came in, I you know, a younger assistant to give all the answers. And when I get the job here, like we would – butt the heads a little bit early and, and then became pretty good friends. Um, mostly because I just really grew to respect how hard his teams were to play against. And, and hopefully he felt the same way. We, we just had a lot of tough games, but the, the one thing, if any coaches are, are watching this, like watch how hard his teams cut. Yeah. So I always felt like we, we covered all this stuff, but it was impossible to simulate the speed at which they did it with when the game actually hit. Um, and we've had good teams defensively, yeah. but we've never spent as much time on anyone. And that includes Northeastern. And, and he's a tremendous coach uh, as we did on what, trying to guard the, the stuff that Tony Shaver was running. Yeah. I mean, and he like really, I mean, he learned it from, he learned it from a guy named Ben Wilkins who was at NC state. We brought a guy named Kevin Snyder who was at Williams with, with um, Mike Maker, who had been, who's a Beeline guy, so like it, it was like some different variations that kind of came together. It was great to be an assistant when all those guys were there to get a chance to learn a little bit of all of it and to kind of watch it come to fruition. And then he was able, you know, and then what was great about it, coach, is that you didn't need you didn't need seven or eight good players. You know, you could really maximize two good players. And the one thing at William Mary, you know, the quality of kid you're getting, you got a lot of guys are, that are that are that want to win and compete. But, you know, they don't have to score 30. I mean, they're going to go be CEOs. Good teammates, right. Good teammates, play hard, show up every day. I mean, that, that stuff's important. I mean, yeah, you know, and hard. I thought he just did an amazing job of kind of pivoting. And, and you know, and he, and he let us work as assistants. You know, I mean, he, he let you work and didn't get in your way. You know, I think the more – it's funny. I mean, I was a young assistant when I was working for him. I think I was 26 maybe, 26, 27 when I was working for him. So you don't always understand everything. And then as you get a little bit older, you know, he would do this thing where like on, on summer Fridays, like he, he's kicking you out of the office at like one or two, you know, he's like, you know, this is different. We didn't have transfer portal. We didn't have our kids on campus. You know, he's like, man, get out of here. And and he would, he would be religious. So like he would be like, if he told you to leave it, like he didn't really yell at us, yeah, yeah. but if he told you to leave at one or two and, and, you know, he had to double back to get somebody his office and you were still in there at three. I mean, he was, he was mad at you for, you know, and, and again, he didn't really yell at us at all. Like I will say that he never disrespected us as a staff, but he, you know, he was like, you know, you're not going to get burned out doing this and you're going to have a good energy level. And I think there's a lot to that. No, there is. It's uh, 
I think it goes back to, at least for me, I said earlier, like how to, you know, uh, we've both been fortunate to do this a long time, but, you know, there's certainly regrets. I wish I handled this situation better. Um, I wish I coached this guy better. You know, I mean, there's a there's a million of them. You know, I, I always feel like I hope the guys know that I cared, you know, show up, brought energy. But I, I, I do say a lot more frequently to our guys, like, like even today, like I'll, I'll jump a guy. But when I start watching tape, one, I'll feel bad that I jumped him. And then two, if I watch the tape, and I made a mistake. Like I, I, I call, I'll call him all the time. Say, Hey, I'm, I'm my apologies. Or I'll yeah. put it in our group. I have a group text with just me and the players um, and one assistant, but I'll, so I always send stuff on that daily, but sometimes on that is, Hey man, I was, I missed the boat on Nick Timberlake. My bad. You're my guy. I, I, I was wrong. You know, last call with Jamie and Christian is powered by speakeasy for sports. The first exclusive platform for sports professionals by sports professionals. We connect you directly with top performers in the industry and allow you to build the relationships that will help grow your career. Think of it as the Final Four, NBA Summer League, or any other sports convention, all now from your laptop and phone 24-7-365. Careers grow through relationships, and relationships grow through Speakeasy. Join the Speakeasy family today at speakeasyforsports.com. Yeah, no, it's good. I think it's, you know, as you're in it, you know, you kind of just learn some different things and different ways to attack it. You know, it's, it's, I will say getting to year number 10 for me, I felt like, all right, you know, like, I felt like there was like a, a level of calmness. I really understood a little bit, you know, what, what's important and what isn't. I think when you're young, everything seems important. And it is so- this, this business at times, unfortunately, is like, you know, there's really good guys in, that are smart and talented and care that aren't in it. And sometimes it's not their own choice. And it's like you're driving down the highway and that there are dead carcass on the side of the road. And when you're younger, all people care about is, Hey, who's getting that job? Or is that open? Yeah. As you start to gain perspective, you, you know, it, it's, it, it's troubling. And, and it, 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 I found it to bother me more. I have some really good friends that, you know, aren't in it. Um, that do care about kids and, and are good at it, and um, it's it's that that's what's that, what's discouraging about the business at times. Yeah, well, I think finding a way to maintain balance. I think what I think you and I really hit it off. Um, you know, you had a walk for your son, uh, autism walk, if I remember correctly. About six seven years ago. Yep, yep. Six seven years ago, and you invited people out to do the walk, and I just you know I, I wanted to bring our entire staff out. I don't think I knew you great at that point. But, you know, you have one of our guys, Oliver Brown, there. and But I, I wanted to support him, but I wanted to support you. I feel like that was, like, such an amazing gesture to support your family. Um, I know you might not do it anymore with the walk, but what made you want to be able to do that? And, you know, what kind of balance does that give you, you know, as a head coach? Yeah, I, I think we've tried to do some stuff for autism because uh, that's been an eye-opener. I, 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 there's no way I was ready for that. There's no way I'll ever be ready for it. You know, it's 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 just a challenge, and my wife gets deserves a lot more credit for it than 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 me. What I'll tell you is, as a parent, you're always worried about. You know, normally you're going to probably die before your kid, so you're always worried about your kid. As a parent of a someone with special needs, it's amplified because you just don't know the dark moments are. You just don't know what's going to happen um, if if you're not there or someone's not there. So. 
that's troubling. That can get that can get heavy. Um, you know the the walk and stuff. We we just had like some couple clever ideas of how do we bring some you know some awareness to the event. The only reason I don't do the walk to start the season anymore. I, I didn't know this state school. You learn everything. We used to raise money for it, and technically, we're not supposed to raise money and then give it to an outside organization. Oh wow! Yeah, that was like seriously. <laughs> um, but so I was, yeah, I wasn't supposed to do that. So we had to settle a couple bills, and then I'm like, I guess we're not, <laughs> I guess we're not doing the walk. I thought it was a good idea. So yeah, you know, you I know. I just thought it was an amazing, uh, amazing to do that um, with your team with your family. Um, I just, I just, you know, I was floored by that. And I felt like every year you would have done it. We would have been right there with you, walking with you. Well, I appreciate you guys doing it. You know, and I, I can say on record, you're the only school that ever came out to help us with that. You know, um, and I think it's important that, you know, that our coach community is small. I think it's important that we support each other in, in ways that we can. I mean, we can't always, you know, give each other opportunity, but I think we can support each other in ways like that. Um, and so I was, I, we were really happy to be able to be there for you. Now, you know, at Siena, we did an autism awareness game, which was an incredible, incredible hit. And, you know, we did, I think we did an autograph signing afterwards. And, you know, that was a really neat experience for our, for our players and, and just for everybody. Um, and actually the environment wasn't that different. You know, a little, yeah. I think it might have been a little bit darker, but, you know, the environment, when we shot the ball well that day, I, I wanted to, to, to use those lights every time <laughs> that's pretty cool now will you guys they know you guys have you guys done that have you guys thought about doing a game or anything like that well you know we have the, the weekend game with the coaches powering forward you know for for, for autism where everyone wears the pin we got to figure out how to make that better um a little it's been good i feel like can we get tv games out of it can we get some of the bigger schools to play in it um we are doing something this year and uh, we're going to play an exhibition game against St. Joe's. Uh, Billy Lang and their assistant AD Rob Sullivan approached us with it. They have a kinney center for autism awareness on yeah. campus. And they said, hey, would you guys have interest in coming up here? We'll try to follow away with the NCA and promote the thing. So I'm like, oh, we're in. So uh, they had the great idea. They executed it. We're just we're going up there and hope that they don't bludgeon us too badly. You know, uh, no, your teams always compete, but I think the the meaning of the game is important. And uh, you know, it's great to be able to share a space with someone who cares about something more than just, you know, when it when sure. games. You know, you talk. You know, the other day we had we were moving our call around a little bit because you had a couple of college visits. What's that like being on that side of it now with college visits? You know, uh, my son loves basketball, and, and he's he's getting he's had a good summer. Hopefully, he'll get 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 a good opportunity this year. I'll stay out of that. You know, I'm not his coach, so it's, they get to do it. You know, they, it's in the best interest of, of their team. But he wants to play, so just trying to find that balance of a potential smaller school with 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 you know the right ac academics versus looking at some some bigger schools, which which he's seen and and what what some of those alumni bases and programs can do for you. And then my wife's a product of a small Catholic college, so we went um, we went back through and, and uh, we saw St. Joe's, which was great. Um, and then I had a great week a week ago. I, I tell you what, I went up to uh, we saw Providence, where I was an assistant. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, first of all, Eddie Cooley spent an hour with us. He and I were assistants together at Stonehill College, way back in 1995 or something like that. So. He was at my wedding. He's he's a I mean he's a he's a he's become a rock star in the business, but he's a, but he's a great guy. So it was great to go like I'm taking my kid to see 
Ed Cooley. He said, I'll take him on the team. I said, I haven't even seen him play. He goes, I've taken a lot of guys that stink. I said, all right. <laughs> and then, uh, what was, uh, what's that office like in 1995 with you and Cooley? Uh, you know what? It was crazy because, so we're both, he's teaching at Bridgewater Raynham and then coming over and coaching. And I was trying to sell real estate and, we, and then coming over and coaching. And we we're both making like, like $6,000 a year coaching. But it was great. It was a good league. He was obviously a great player at Stonehill. We worked for Guy David DeShannis. He hired me from uh, Tufts, where I finished up getting my master's. So it was great. I said, uh, you think about guys that we work with. That should have been the first time. Yeah, I worked with Eddie Cooley, uh, you know, Big East Championship coach back in 1995. And, and he's the same guy. I mean, he's hysterical. He's great with people. Uh, he has a keen basketball mind. So it's been it's fun. So he did that. And then I, we went down to Fairfield the next day. And like I said, Jay Young got me in the business. And, you know, I, I don't think I've ever been around anyone that's worked harder than him. Um, so it was great seeing what he's doing with his program and, and the support. And, you know, um, but also, like, I'm sure you feel the same way. I'm like, man, I've been doing this a while now. And I just just appreciate more. I wish I appreciated more when I was younger the opportunity that, the, the relationships you get to build. So one of the things like, you know, we always want to do better. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to not appreciate those, those things. Like I'm going to give you one, Milan Brown, right. You know, really good coach. He and I worked together uh, for two years at William and Mary. I used to play pickup before I had hip replacements and all that. And I told him this summer, I said, Hey man, I want to apologize because I was a jackass during pickup games. <laughs> and he was like, yo, he, and he's like, man, that was a long, I said, I know, but you know what? I was just, that's why I don't play anymore. Like what, what was the point? Like, you know what I mean? What, what was the, what was the point of being a, being a donkey out there? You know? So you live, you live, you learn, and you hope you, you hope you can do it a, a little bit wiser and, and better. You know what I mean? The, when, when the next opportunity you have. Yeah, I had to, you know, and, and for our listeners, I had a chance to play for Milan Brown. He recruited me to Mount St. Mary's, then went to William Mary for two years and came back as an assist for you, then became the head coach at the Mount to replace Coach Jim Phelan, um, who's a college basketball Hall of Famer. And so we share that connection with Milan. Um, I remember the first time Milan called me, and, you know, I'd gone through, I was the Gene State Player of the Year, we went 26-0, state champion, all that. Um, you know, all those things, great accolades. And, and it was late though. I mean, it was April. I was a baseball player and, and I played baseball in college and, and in, and in high school. So I was, you know, I didn't play AU. You know, I just, and he called me and I remember the first time he called me, I was like, I really, really like this guy. Um, and I'd been recruited by a bunch of different places and he's just got a gift with the way that he can speak and connect. That's so well, I think he's authentic. He cares. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, he comes off that way and that's what he is. So that's, you know, it's, that's awesome to hear that you've made a connection with a guy that is authentic because those relationships last beyond your college playing days. Yeah. And we like, you know, he's got like a loyal following of former players now. I mean, we will follow him to the end of the earth. That's awesome. Um, you know, so he, you know, he, he definitely had a huge impact on, on me. Um, you know, what's, what's next for Towson, Towson men's basketball? You know, you've got great influences all around you. You've, you know, you've obviously been, been able to build a level of consistency. We're really far off from the, from the first season, which is the complete rebuild. Um, how far, how far do you feel like you can take this thing? Yeah. I mean, look, we, we control 
you know, our own success by what we do on a daily basis. I, I, I'm really excited about our team. Last year's was the nicest group of guys I've ever been around in 30 years. Um, I'm really looking forward to this group because our, you know, we had four guys that were our top four scorers returned. Three of them were all league. And so I'm really appreciative of those guys coming back. There's other stuff they could have done. So I'm going to lean on those guys more than ever. Um, and I want to enjoy coaching them. I know what the goal is. The goal is you got, you got to get to the NCAA tournament. You know, um, our guys know what the goal is, but we've got to do a good job with the process every day in order to give ourselves that chance. And, you know, we could win 25 games and could get beat on a half court shot. And, you know, that's how you're going to be judged. But, and I'm okay with being judged like that, you know, because I know no one has more to gain than me if we make the tournament. <laughs> but I, I, I think the, the piece about just trying to do it the right way and being around good guys and enjoying those guys, it, it that that's really what's paramount in my mind. How do we do a good job with these guys every day? So hopefully we're in that position. I'm also smart enough, and you know this, you were in this, there's going to be a handful of teams in our league that have good players that are really well coached and if we if we're able to beat them, it means we got a little bit lucky, you know. Yeah, that that's just the way it goes. Yeah, I think finding the way to enjoy what you're doing every day with those players, you know, I really think that's like such a key ingredient. That I talked to so many guys in February, and they're hating their guys, yeah. and and I just you know every time I talk to them, I think, man, we're gonna we're gonna beat these guys yeah. because it just. You know, if you if the guys the guys can feel it when you don't enjoy it, and they can feel it when you do. Yeah, so I think that comes back to like, you know, are we coaching them better? Are we coaching them right? Do we understand who we have? We took them. Do we are we pushing the right buttons? I just like I said, I I really enjoyed our guys last year. I, I just so appreciative of uh, just the just that they were ready to go every day. They played the right way. They were good guys. I mean, we certainly had shortcomings. Every team has yeah. has shortcomings. I just like. I don't know. For me, like I said, coming off of a really tough year the year before, um, just having the chance to do this again and do it every day, uh, it's something I'm never going to take for granted again. I'm not, you know, I had some older guys come back last year and a couple of coaches that were out of the business and they said, uh, you know, I, I heard you were like tough on the guys and you weren't really. I said, well, a couple of things. One, I, I, we're still competitive. Two, if they do what you're asking them to do, there's really no reason to get on them. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the other, you know, that's the, that's the other piece, but I, but I do more than ever. I want to enjoy, you know, the opportunity to be in the gym every day because it's, it's, uh, you know, I guess as you know, I turned 50 and when I, after I turned 50, I started thinking, man, I'm, I'm a lot closer to the end than I am to the starting line. So <laughs> I want to, I want to be able to enjoy this too. Yeah. No, you, you, you always find a way to be in a good perspective, at least a, a few weeks after the season when I catch you. <laughs> you know, you kind of re, you reset faster than most. No, look, at we're in practice or games. It's like an out-of-body experience for a couple hours, right? After that, like, it's same thing with referees. Like, I haven't had a technical foul in like eight years, and oh, I'll, wow. see a guy, I'll see a guy at the airport. I'll come up to him, and he'll be like, oh, and I'm like, what's up, dog? You know, like, I'm, <laughs> once, it's, once it's over, it's over. You know, it's like uh, – the same thing with practice you might get after guy in practice the second it's over he can bust my chops i'm gonna bust his chops it, it's 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 over right i mean you can't carry that stuff with you and we're with kids we're working with kids you know i love it we we do this thing here on last call how we always finish up um last call uh, you know you're at the bar at the end of the night you got one seat to your left that's a someone who's retired you got one seat to your right 
someone who is retired? Who's to your left? Who's to your right? And why? I'm going to put my parents. I'm going to put my okay. parents there. You know, my 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 mom uh, for for you know doing a good job with us and as you know in, in a divorce household and two boys and pushing us you know pushing us through um other than my immediate family that i have right now right like my parents yeah. and then my dad i think the, my, my dad gave me two bits of advice he, you know i've always stuck with he's always said you know if you do what you love to do you, you never feel like you worked a day in your life and then he always told me it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog and that's that's an adage I've tried to live by. See, I mean, I think you're a perfect reflection of your parents. Like, well, that would be good because now hopefully they are listen. They're certainly imperfect, and and, and I certainly <laughs> am too. I think uh, my wife and my kids are, are in, a, in a much uh, higher standard than 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 me. Yeah. Well, Coach Gary, thanks for joining us on Last Call, man. We really appreciate it. We know you guys are gonna have a great season. We're gonna be following you at Speakeasy all season. I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you for joining us on The Last Call, powered by Speakeasy, where careers grow through relationships and relationships grow through Speakeasy. We hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to connecting with you soon.